It is 11.30 here on a Monday. Time for us to begin our midday program. Thank you so much for joining us here today as uh, we take a look at uh, some of the stories that we're going to be following in the next couple of hours. Bob Brogan is in here. We'll hear from Susan Littlefield and Austin Jacobson all coming up here today. Let's begin our program by talking to Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm all right. Tell us about uh, what you had for some storm damage in northeast Nebraska. Did you get off okay? You know, all we really had to deal with was a few down limbs here and there, but I figured out when the pager goes off to tell us that we're in a thunderstorm warning, severe thunderstorm warning, just put the pager on my nightstand and the weather decides it doesn't want to mess with us. <laughs> That's a good plan. That's a good plan. Because that ex- that's exactly what happened. Really? It was just weird. Yeah, mm. we were we were very fortunate, uh, and we know um, just to the southwest of us, it wasn't like that. Right. So, you know, it was thinking spotty. about everybody and yeah, yeah, for sure, it was a it was a spotty storm, heavier in some a, a, a widespread of a storm as we've had for a while, but uh, it was a, it was something for sure. Well, what do you got for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to kick off everything on this Monday with Alex. She'll be in at 1219, talking about the Nebraska Beef Council's funding proposals. Then I'll step in at 1245. Spoke with Greg Eibaugh. Remember, he used to be the Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs with the USDA. He's now the Undersecretary in Residence at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And he kind of shares his thoughts on what's happening with the federal conservation programs. Is there an opportunity? Should we be doing a, a relook? We'll get more details on that. And then wrapping up everything at 117, Bryce will be talking about the Lancaster Event Center doing some storm cleanup ahead of the big high school national finals rodeo coming up. Yeah, that's a big deal for sure. It got hit pretty good. So appreciate it, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, filling in for Jason Jorgensen is Austin Jacobson once again. And let's uh, see what he's got for us coming up in Roundtable, Austin. Well, for some Husker baseball fans, it was heartbreaking last night in the first round of the MLB baseball draft as Spencer Schwellenbach didn't have his name called. He's hoping to hear it later today as rounds 2 through 10 kick off. But it's not all bad news for Husker faithful as one new face is coming to Nebraska's softball team and a familiar face is making its return to the Nebraska baseball team. The Milwaukee Bucks also figured out the Phoenix Suns last night and were able to bring the series back to 2-1. to And it's the start of Major League League Baseball's All-Star Game festivities this week, as today is the Home Run Derby in Denver. All that and more is upcoming on Midday Sports. I always said someday I would love to go to the All-Star Game for baseball, just to be there and see see what it was like and see some of the folks that come there. But bucket list thing for me, for sure. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. And Bob, uh, stocks doing all right today. Stocks are um, up a little bit right now. Uh, they have been wobbling between gains and losses in the early going. Investors are looking ahead to a wave of earnings reports from big U.S. companies, and those reports are coming out this week. Nordstrom says it's acquiring a minority interest in four fashion brands owned by the British company ASOS, and also uh, the founding family of Britain's Daily Mail is considering a, making a bid for the parent company behind the country's biggest-selling newspaper. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Let's continue our midday with Clay. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, for a check here of the midday trade. Mike, more green on the screen for the grain complex. This comes as we get out the latest USDA report, and it looks like it may be Minneapolis spring wheat that is the leader here to the top side. I know they decrease that yield overall, but how close is this to a record on the downside for spring wheat? Well, as far as yield, it's down there pretty low. I mean, 30.7 versus 48.6 on spring wheat yield. Uh, this Today's report, Clay, puts us down in levels not seen since 1997 and 2002, where we actually went below 30 bushels to the acre, which I would expect in future reports we would see those kind of numbers. But keep in mind, spring wheat and Durham are end, end up being about 30 32% of the total wheat production crop, and that was the missing link in this whole wheat ordeal was we had winter wheat production by USDA, but we had not seen any spring wheat numbers, and we got those today. So wheat is back as our leader as far as what I'm recommending and suggesting to the clients and subscribers I work with. 
Another big uh, number that kind of jumped out when you look in the global side, beginning new crop stocks for the soybeans all of a sudden jump up to 3.5 million metric tons. That is quite the jump we've seen from previous reports. What was maybe some of the data trying in to get us to that number, or is that something that gets revised later on? I don't know if it's going to get revised later on because it is a beginning stocks number, and we are in July, so it's theoretically past that June stocks and acreage report, even though it's foreign numbers. I, I think this is probably going to be hard to revise to answer your question. i got to dig deeper into this because part of the increase was Argentina. I don't know if this is because some of the export delays, some of the strikes they've had, but it, it's a big deal from a standpoint of the front-end new crop spreads, and I think that's what I want to watch as we get July futures getting ready to, and, and prepare to expire here on the 14th. Watch that July Nov bean spread. It looks like USDA aligned exactly with CONAB. They went down to 93 million metric tons for Brazil. Is this any situation? Still looks like most of the trade, though, wants to see that number closer to 89 million metric tons. It'll be interesting, Clay, because I think you're right. You know, the, the rain bearers out there right now are probably wondering what's going to happen because of the wheat and because of the Brazilian crop, because U.S. wheat ending stocks at 665 million bushels uh, came really close to the lowest trade guess. We didn't see much of an uh, increase in corn ending stocks, 1.432 uh, million, a billion bushels. Um, and this, you know, sets up the situation, okay, without any competition, what does this do to the corn market in the near term? Again, as July goes off the, off the market here and expires. So watch the July D's corn spread as much as the beans. And I think that's where this report, looking at it, you know, from what I know right now, looks very, very supportive for the bull spread, especially given the rains for new crop corn. Then we go over to the livestock trade. It looks like supportive for live cattle and lane hogs as well as USDA expecting to see maybe some stronger export demand as well as production. Uh, a little bit of curvature there in the U.S. Yes, and I, what I was really astounded by was USDA came in and took pork uh, production uh, down 40 million pounds on a commercial basis for this year, and then they took it down next year by 425 million pounds. So this is a big decline for 2022, and I think it reinvigorates maybe the potential that pork will continue and hogs will continue to support the cattle market as long as we keep the China business through this quarter and next. Mike, it's important for folks to be signed up as the subscriber side of your business for days like today because I'm sure what all do they get on big report days? Well, they got a large weekend copy that I tried to make as small as possible, but it was really focused on spring wheat becoming the main leader in the market, getting the feed wheat out of the corn's hair, essentially. And I think this is where we really want to delve into this deeply now as we go into the rest of July, because the summer weather market is starting to come to an end. We have to admit that. Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. Do remember, trading future options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. The demand for Nebraska real estate has rarely been as strong as it is right now. If you've been thinking about selling, please let Lashley Land and Recreational Brokers show you how we were able to sell $77 million worth of Nebraska real estate in 2020 alone. 98% of all buyers now begin their search online, and Lashley Land appears at the top of the Google search results for all types of land in Nebraska, providing your listing with the most exposure nationwide. Give us a call or check us out at LashleyLand.com. December new crop, 525.5, up 8.5. July beans, 14.16, up 12. November new crop, 13.40, up 10 and 3 quarters. July Chicago wheat, 626.5, up 18. September, 634.25, up 19 and a quarter. July KC at 609, up 10. September, 610, up 16. September Minneapolis, 846, up 31 and 3 quarters, up 4%. August live cattle, dollar twenty oh seven up 85. December, dollar thirty one thirty five up 45. August feeder cattle dollar fifty eight sixty two down fifty five November dollar sixty four seventy five down fifteen July lean hogs one eleven ninety up ninety August one oh three forty two up a dollar eighty five catch Mike Zuzlo's midday market commentary podcast now at ruralradionetwork dot com. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here. 
And my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Nebraska Army National Guard. Aired by the Nebraska Broadcasters Association at this station. 882. It is time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins back in the saddle again here. and uh, Well, uh, it was an interesting weekend. Yeah, very stormy on uh, Friday night. Uh, some very strong wind gusts, lots of tree damage, especially from about I-80 on into eastern Nebraska. I know uh, Omaha reporting one of their strongest wind gusts ever there. So uh, yeah. that storm yeah. uh, definitely picking up some steam as it did move to the east as if it needed any more steam it was uh, it was as, but one of the things that i noticed about it paul is it seemed to be as widespread of a storm as we've had for much of the summer yes uh, you know we've been pretty fortunate as far as uh, getting any kind of severe weather and definitely uh we kind of paid the bill that friday night yeah we definitely did we definitely did so any of you folks out there had some damage uh, best of luck with all of that, and I know neighbors came over to help help you a little bit with that. So what do, what do we got in the in store for us now, Paul? Uh, gradually, we do have a little bit of warming here. Uh, temperatures right now in the mid to upper 70s, pretty close to what we usually see this time of year. We do have some low 80s over western areas of Kansas, but most of us have fairly pleasant mid to upper 70s. We're not going to be tapping into any of that dangerous heat across the desert southwest. Once again, Death Valley, California, yesterday getting up to 120. 28 and many locations in Southern California with those highs of 128, close to 130 degrees. Can nope. you believe that? Nope, nope, nope. Even nope. though it is a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> Not dry enough. But we will see that ridge of fine pressure over the Western Plains. It's a little bit closer to us. We're not going to get underneath that dome of fine pressure for today and tomorrow. Temperatures today actually slightly cooler than usual for us. A warm front boosting the temperatures to around 5 degrees above average for tomorrow. Scattered thunderstorms a possibility with some low pressure and a cold front that pushes southeast late tomorrow into Wednesday with some moisture pooling along that front that eventually stalls out on Wednesday. There could be some locally heavy rain and a few severe storms. Right now, not expecting the big severe weather outbreak. Wednesday night into the weekend, a few late day and nighttime thunderstorms remain possible as some weak disturbances interact with the daytime heating. Wednesday, the temperatures will be slightly warmer than average as that cold front lifts slightly back to the north and behind that front pushing south on Thursday and Friday. Those temperatures more seasonal. Weekend temperatures back to slightly above average. In the latest long-term forecast, temperatures likely to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal. This weekend through July 25th in Nebraska and Kansas, a better chance of warmer than normal temperatures in Nebraska. During the, this warmest time of the year, our average daytime highs in central Nebraska are in the upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low to mid-60s. Rain chances look to be low for Nebraska and Kansas. This weekend through July 25th, with below normal rainfall predicted. Key weather factors impacting the markets include additional rain favoring the eastern Corn Belt and dryness with expanding heat for the Canadian Prairies and Black Sea region. Storms on Friday night in Nebraska and Kansas may have caused some widespread crop damage. Still some reports to be put together on that. A system will bring some chances of scattered rain, mostly to northern areas of the Southern Plains for tomorrow through Friday. Eastern areas of the Southern Plains might stay active this next weekend, a benefit for developing to reproductive corn and the soybeans outside of further severe risk. The southern Midwest this weekend saw widespread rain with some flooding across the southern Iowa and mid-Mississippi Valley. For southwest parts of the Midwest, there was some crop damage also from severe weather. Rainfall was limited, though, across Minnesota, northern Iowa, and Wisconsin, the areas that continue to need significant moisture as crops go into reproduction. More rain continues this week across the Midwest with another storm. Towards the northern plains, many areas remain unfavorably dry. Scattered rain tomorrow through Wednesday, likely to miss some of the areas of the northern plains before heat returns next week. In the Canadian prairies, any rain amounts 
months this past weekend were light as crop conditions continue to deteriorate. Heat builds back into the Canadian prairies the middle of the week and continues into next week to help for accelerating crop growth. But more crop stress is likely for many areas of the Canadian prairies, with many areas missing out on additional rain. For the Black Sea region of Ukraine and western Russia, some isolated rain this weekend, but most areas were dry while temperatures rose to well above normal. The overall hot and dry weather expected to the upcoming weekend, causing stress for some of the locally drier areas. Many Black Sea areas still have plenty of soil moisture, but the Volga Valley region of Russia likely to have the hardest time dealing with that heat there. All right. Hot in lots of places, that's for sure. Good old summertime. Yep, that's for sure. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. On the Rural Radio Network, grains continuing to move higher into the green, all led by the Minneapolis spring wheat. They're gaining over 4% so far on the day. That's helped to move Chicago and Kansas City wheat back up almost 2 to 3% on most contracts. And corn and soybeans continuing to be supported. Soybeans, though, actually the ones receiving the least amount of money flow so far, at least in terms of gains so far in the day. The WASDA report, though, is fairly bullish towards the trend, at least in the spread trade. According to Mike Zuzlo, still catch his midday market comment podcast at ruralradionetwork.com. Meanwhile, on the livestock trade, live cattle and lane hogs aren't too concerned with the higher grain complex. Feeder cattle, on the other hand, closely watching where that corn market goes. The WASDE expecting to see better export and stronger export demand, as long with uh, shrinking overall production due to lighter carcass weights in the cattle and less overall hogs to go to slaughter here over the next two quarters. July corn, 640, up 10 and a quarter. September, 543 and three quarters, up 13 and three quarters. December new crop, 530. 30 up 12 and three quarters. March 537 and three quarters up 12 and three quarters. July soybeans 1416 up 12. August 1401 and a quarter up 22. September 1357 up 18 and three quarters. November new crop 1349 and a half up 20 and a quarter. July Kansas or July Chicago wheat 626 and a half up 18. September 642 up 27. December 648 and a half up 24 and three quarters. July Kansas City 612 and a quarter up 13 and a quarter. September 616 and three quarters up 22 and three quarters. December 627 and a quarter up 22 and a quarter. August live cattle dollar 1992 up 70. October dollar 2580 up 22. December dollar 3132 up 42. August feeders dollar 5797 down a dollar 20. September dollar 6092 down 90. October dollar 6305 down 65. July lane hogs dollar 1202 up a dollar 2. August dollar 377 up 220. Farm Credit Services of America's long-term financial strength delivered a bonus for its customer owners. In January, our eligible customers received a cashback dividend equal to 1% of their average daily loan balance in 2020. And because of our continued financial success, they received yet a second check in June. Visit fcsamerica.com slash cashbackbonus. Terms apply. Farm Credit Services of America. Agriculture works here. You love to fish. The sight of long lines and casting for better opportunities. You wish more people knew the value of a good worm. Share that knowledge. Take a beginner fishing and show them what real fun can be. Then share a picture with us. You could win a boat or outdoor gear. Visit OutdoorNebraska.org slash TakeEmFishing to learn more. And then, take them fishing. Sponsored by Nebraska Moon Parks. Welcome into your Monday afternoon. It is time now for a check of the latest in agriculture news today. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack paid a visit to Iowa on Friday announcing $500 million to expand meat and poultry processing capacity. The announcement supports the executive order signed last Friday by President Joe Biden. Vilsack says the funds aim to create a more competitive market for farmers. We have got to expand the amount of capacity and processing capacity in this country. We can no longer rely on a handful of processing companies to do the job, to make the market competitive, to do right by farmers, to ensure uh, as well that we have a resilient food supply system. The visit was originally planned for Omaha, and Vilsack appeared just across the Missouri River in Council Bluffs, Iowa. He made his comments during a press event, adding... It's first and foremost going to create an opportunity that, that to reverse what's happening today uh, out in the countryside where producers are having to sell their cattle at a loss only to learn that processors end up 
taking that cattle and generating a profit. Specifically, USDA announced its intent to invest $500 million in American Rescue Plan funds to expand meat and poultry processing capacity. USDA also announced more than $150 million for existing small and very small processing facilities to help them weather COVID, compete in the marketplace, and get the support they need to reach more customers. USDA is also holding meat packers accountable by revitalizing the Packers and Stockyards Act, issuing new rules on, quote, product of USA labels and developing plans to expand farmers access to new markets. Well, as county fairs kick off across the state of Nebraska, the president and CEO of the International Association of Fairs and Expositions says that county fairs have more than just an economic impact for rural communities. Marla Calico is the CEO and says they provide other benefits as well, and their absence was felt last year with the pandemic. So we look at it as economic for certain, but it's also social and cultural. When we look at the economic impact, that brings money into the community uh, anytime the facilities are being used. And if the fair gets money off of that, then they turn around and invest that back into the community, into these facilities, into the scholarships for youth. But I like to also talk about the, the cultural and social impact. You know, as a youngster getting able to participate in this fair, it's not just about the show ring. County fairs, state fairs, they change lives. They change the lives of kids because you, I know for myself, I'm still friends with people I used to show cattle against oh, 50 some years ago, you know? So it becomes a lifelong commitment. We give children that leadership opportunity, which is beyond anything else, I think, in our society that's done. So I look at a fair like this, I look at the recognition of the 4-H seniors, the wonderful job they did recognize those talented individuals. Those are the future leaders, not only of this county, this state, but our United States and the world. Again, those comments coming from Marla Calico, the president and CEO of the International Association of Fairs and Expositions, and she says the association represents more than 1,100 fairs throughout the world. And finally, this afternoon, the Nebraska Women in Agriculture Program, along with the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program, will be hosting the first ever Heard That Conference coming up September 15th in Lincoln. The conference will focus on five areas of risk management specific to livestock, and it will feature a live cattle handling demonstration with Temple Grandin. She's an animal behaviorist and a professor at Colorado State University. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Public Power District. Today we're on the phone with Ashley Cole. She's the Director of Government Affairs for Nebraska Cattlemen. Ashley, the past couple of, we'll call it the past two weeks or so, has been really busy for the beef industry, specifically on the legislative side of things. Uh, last week we heard news about this Product of USA label. Bring us up to speed on this issue and uh, give us an update. Sure. So it was just last week, almost exactly a week ago, where USDA announced that they will conduct a top-to-bottom review of the product of the USA label, uh, which will then inform some forthcoming rulemaking on the topic. Now, for a little bit of background on the product of the USA label, currently, the Food Safety Inspection Service within USDA allows the product of the USA label uh, to go on products that have passed through a USDA Food Safety Inspection Service inspected facility. So kind of what that means is uh, that beef, you know, that's imported is currently eligible to bear a product of the USA label because it has been processed within the United States. Now, we believe that this is not okay. Uh, we feel it's misleading to consumers. And, you know, the Biden administration, specifically Secretary Vilsack, also agrees uh, that product of USA labels are no longer effectively serving their intended purpose, specifically for meat products. Now, that being said, uh, Nebraska Cattlemen does have a long-standing policy for voluntary labels that, that meet consumer demand and also consumer expectations, and we feel the product of the USA label falls short of that. So coming from Washington, D.C., then, what are some of the next steps they're planning to take to ensure this protection? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, President Biden uh, just recently issued an executive order uh, directing the USDA do USDA to do just that, to really look at the product of the USA label and how it's used and focus on 
you know, what can be done to have source verified labels that are validated and verified. So next steps are USDA working through their process with stakeholders uh, within the industry of, you know, livestock, but also within the industry of the Grocers Association and, and folks like that. Uh, but then also with trading partners, making sure that if they do allow for any source verified labels in the future that can be validated and verified, that they don't violate any trade agreements. So if I'm reading in between the lines right, it sounds like you're saying there's going to be benefits for both producers and consumers. Starting with the producers, what are the benefits for them? Yep, so it allows a, a producer who wants to add value to their own specific livestock to apply for a label that can have any sort of source claim on it that they so choose to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. Okay, and then on the consumer side of things? Absolutely. So if they're going to buy a product that is a product of the USA, um, they are able to feel more comfortable knowing that that product, specifically the meat counter, is exactly a product of the USA, not just processed in the USA. All right. Awesome information. Thanks for breaking that down. Well, what else is important to note on this topic that might be um, important to know? Sure. So also last week, just right before USDA made their announcement about their top to bottom review of product USA labels, the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission, uh, they had a, a live hearing uh, to look at the made in the USA label. And they actually voted three to two in favor of strengthening FTC's authority to enforce, you know, made in the USA labels, product of the USA labels. And why that's important is if they're going to enforce that you know, products are actually made in the USA or a product of the USA, not just processed in the USA. Receiving guidance from what USDA is doing in their top to bottom reviewers can be very important. All right. All great information. Thanks, Ashley. That again is Ashley Coles joining us. She's the Director of Government Affairs for the Nebraska Cattlemen. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, the first round of the Major League Baseball draft came and went last night without Nebraska's Spencer Schwellenbach hearing his name called. He was rated by MLB.com as the number 54 overall prospect, as some projections had Schwellenbach slipping into the first round. Had that happened, he would have been the first Nebraska player picked in the first round since Joba Chamberlain in 2006 and been the program's 12th overall first-round pick. However, he'll be waiting to come off the board early today as rounds 2 through 10 just started a little bit ago. The Pittsburgh Pirates went for a college catcher with their first pick in the draft as the Pirates selected Louisville catcher Henry Davis, who threw out 46% of would-be base stealers to become a finalist for the Buster Posey Award as college baseball's best defensive catcher. The Nebraska softball team added infielder Maya Felder to its roster as head coach Rhonda Revel announced on Friday. Felder joins the Huskers as a transfer from Oregon where she earned all region recognition last season. Felder has played three seasons of college ball and will still have two years of eligibility remaining at Nebraska. She spent her freshman year at New Mexico State before playing for Oregon the past two seasons. Former Nebraska pitching coach Rob Childress is coming back to Lincoln as the director of player development. Childress did not have his contract renewed at Texas A&M after 16 seasons as the program's head coach. During that time after leaving Nebraska, Childress won 622 games and led A&M to a pair of College World Series appearances. Well, the Milwaukee Bucks finally figured out how to defend the three-point line after dropping the first two games of the NBA Finals, and they had it all figured out last night as the Bucks held the Suns to 9 of 31 shooting from beyond the arc as they earned a 120 to 100 win over Phoenix in game 3. The series does stay in Milwaukee for game 4 on Wednesday as the Bucks trail 2 to 1. Four people have been arrested and more than a dozen weapons have been seized at a downtown Denver hotel that's close to several events planned in conjunction with Major League Baseball's All-Star Game this week. Officers responded to a tip as they searched two rooms on Friday at the Maven Hotel, a block from Coors Field. The search also came up with hundreds of rounds of ammunition as well. And as mentioned, it's the start of the All-Star festivities at Coors Field tonight as it's the home run derby in Denver. In other baseball news, Legion Baseball tonight has Holdridge traveling to Kansas, taking on the Norton American Legion. That's sports. For more sports anytime, visit krvn.com. Excellence. 
10, or excuse me, 12.30, time for us to check in on our news, and that means Ellen. Hi, Ellen. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. It is... Uh, it is a Monday, so you know you kind of clog through <laughs> that a little bit, but uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was kind of a crazy weekend, but you had you were you were on duty there on Saturday, and you got to do some of that. So yes. I'm glad I'm glad it wasn't a lot worse. Than yes, that is true. Sure. For sure. What do you got for us? All right. Well, Governor Pete Ricketts set to host another series of town halls next week, including one on Wednesday, July 14th at 2 in the afternoon at the Sun Theater in Gothenburg. Ricketts and others will talk about the State Board of Education's drafted health standards. The governor has been very critical of the proposed standards since they were first released back in March. What I'm calling attention to is the human growth and development section of those health standards. Uh, you know, some of the standards are... Uh, you know, fine, talking about nutrition or substance abuse prevention. But specifically in the human growth and development, they talk about sex education and start injecting non-scientific, age-inappropriate topics that uh, if parents go read the the proposed standards, I think they'll be shocked to find out what's in there. Under the proposed standards, Kindergartners would learn about different kinds of family structures, including same-gender families. First graders would be taught about gender identity and gender stereotypes. And I, I wanted to mention here, let me break in for just a second tonight um, during Caribbean Conversation. I'm going to re-air my conversation that I had with Robin Stevens, who is uh, on the Nebraska State Board of Education. He's going to talk about that and the fact that the standards that the governor is talking about just don't exist right. anymore. So I'll run that tonight if folks are interested in that. Go ahead. Sounds good. All right, police say the driver of a pickup truck was killed and his wife, who was a passenger, was injured in a rollover crash on an interstate in eastern Omaha. Police say in a news release that the crash happened late Sunday night when the northbound pickup on Interstate 480 left the roadway, hit a tree, and rolled. The driver, 73-year-old Michael Childers of... Fort Calhoun was pronounced dead at the scene. His wife, 69-year-old Linda Childers of Fort Calhoun, was rushed to an Omaha hospital with serious injuries, including a fractured leg and a laceration to her head. The storms that knocked down trees and power lines across eastern Nebraska this weekend left more people without electricity than than any area storm in years. The Omaha Public Power District says the 188,000 customers that lost power after the storms Friday night and early Saturday is a larger outage than any storm since June 2008 when 156,000 customers lost electricity. By midday Sunday, less than 60,000 OPPD customers remained without power, but a utility official said it could take several days to restore electricity to everyone. By comparison, the historic snowstorm that Pummeled Omaha in October 1997, left 150,000 in the dark. For more local area, for us, Nebraska Public Power District continues to restore power to customers following the strong storms that moved across the state Friday evening and Saturday morning. MPPD spokesman Mark Becker has an update. At the height of the uh, uh, storms that uh, came through, we had about eight, almost 9,000 customers without power. We're down to about 58 customers. Those are primarily in the city of Plattsmouth. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, structure damage there. We've got a lot of trees that are down, and we have a lot of wire that's wrapped around those trees. So we have to clear those areas first before we can actually do, do that restoration work. Becker says restoration work on the Grand Island to McCool Junction 345 kilowatt transmission line is taking place uh, today in for today, an MPPD's Donovan Control Center was able to reroute the electric load when Lines 84 structures collapsed during the storm Friday night due to high winds. Boy, I tell you, those folks before the MPPD and all those guys working the wires and stuff like that, thank you for all the work yes. they do. It's, uh, it's, they never get called out in a nice time of the day. No, absolutely not. And I felt so bad for uh, the guy for Dawson Public Power that works in Sumner because we had a couple transformers blow and he was out there immediately and got our power back up within two hours so they do great work for they sure. do all right thank you very much thanks from the KRBN Weather Center Scott Foster in here with you 1238 
on a uh, Monday. Hope you're doing well. Today's uh, This Weather brought to you by Pinnacle Bank of Lexington. Today and tomorrow will be mostly sunny as a ridge of high pressure edges closer to the plains. Today will be slightly cooler than usual. A warm front will boost temperatures to around 5 degrees above average tomorrow. Scattered thunderstorms are possible with uh, low pressure and a cold front pushing southeast late tomorrow through Wednesday. With the moisture pooling along the stalled front Wednesday, there could be some locally heavy rain and a few severe storms. Wednesday night into the weekend, a few late day and nighttime thunderstorms remain possible as weak disturbances interact with the daytime heating. Wednesday will be slightly warmer than average as the cold front lifts slightly back to the north behind the front uh, that's pushing south Thursday and Friday will be more seasonal. Weekend temperatures warm back to slightly above average at that point. 74, 75 degrees actually now in Kearney. 77 in Broken Bow. It's 80 in North Platte. 80 in McCook. 77 in Beatrice. It is 81 in Ainsworth. 77 in O'Neill. Sydney's at 81. Scott's Bluff is at 78. 78 also in Omaha. Capital City is at 79. It's 81 in Norton. 82 right now in in St. Francis. 80 in Goodland. And here at the Lexington studios of KRVN, we're at 77 degrees under clear skies. That is your 880 Weather Watch. Play panel with a market minute on the rural radio network. Still seeing quite a bit of bullish momentum being built after the WASDE report out today. The leader to the top side, though, still the Minneapolis spring wheat trade. July corn trying to move right in with it. July at 643 and three quarters up 14. December new crop 530 and a quarter up 13 and a quarter. July soybeans 1431 up 27. November new crop 1348 and three quarters up 19 and a half. July Chicago wheat 626 and a half up 18. December 646 and a quarter up 22 and a half. July Kansas City 612 and a quarter up 13 and a quarter December 623 and 3 quarters up 18 and 3 quarters August live cattle dollar 1985 up 62 December dollar 3142 up 52 August feeder cattle dollar 5827 down 90 cents October dollar 6317 down 52 July lean hogs dollar 12 even up a dollar while August a dollar 355 is up a dollar 97 Who bear Does the Federal Conservation Program need a makeover? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I asked that question of Greg Iba, former Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs at USDA, now is the Undersecretary in Residence at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Conservation programs uh, encourage farmers and ranchers to uh, apply stewardship practices that uh, they probably already are doing on their farms and ranches, but sometimes they pl- uh, uh, supply information and background and encouragement for, for new innovation and new programs. Looking at it, though, there's been a lot of information coming out of Washington, D.C., a lot of pushes to see some, some changeabouts within some of these programs. As a farmer, do they leave what they're doing now that they know works? Do they go to try some new things? How do we incorporate this while still keeping our loyalty to conservation on our farming operation? Well, as you know, Susan, most Nebraska farmers and ranchers embrace innovation and technology. In fact, Nebraska is one of the leading states in the nation for our farmers and ranchers incorporating the latest and the greatest in farming practices on our farms. And so many times when USDA conservation programs come out, like CSP, some of the programs that they are trying to incentivize in other states and around the nation, Nebraska farmers have already adopted and are already using. And so in order to qualify for incentive payments or be part of those programs, USDA NRCS is asking producers to do an enhancement or do something more. 
And so, in fact, what I believe is that penalizes people that are already applying good conservation on their farms and makes them look for something else to do. And so what I think in order for us to be able to really take conservation programs to the next level is we need to get to a point where we not only recognize what farmers currently are doing and the benefits that accrue to conservation through those uh, practices that they've adopted, but also then expose them and give them opportunities to explore uh, new conservation methods that are emerging that maybe are developed at the local land-grant university and provide uh, additional incentives on top of the incentives for maintaining the current practices they have. So then would this be your outcome-based system? Yes. So rather than right now, as we described, USDA and RCS, uh, you know, if you do this on your farm, then we will, uh, you know, incent you to do that. Or And it's usually something that NRCS has designed that is applied across the nation uniformly. So what, what I was proposing in my editorial of AgriPulse is that we take a look, first of all, at what farms are doing, because we know today farmers and ranchers in Nebraska are doing things that improve soil quality, they improve water quality, they're managing nutrients, they're rotational grazing, they're already planting cover crops, and they're no-till farming. So let's give them credit for what they do on a baseline, as well as then look at other other practices they might want to incorporate. And then let's measure what the overall conservation benefit that farmer is doing with his old practices as well as his new practices. As I was reading some of your thoughts, I think you brought up a really key point too, Greg, that what works in Nebraska, for example, isn't going to work in another state like Minnesota or Illinois or Ohio. That's correct. You know, we have specific soil types in Nebraska that tend to lend themselves better to uh, no-till farming. Where in Minnesota, those heavy soils and the amount of moisture that they collect during the, the uh, winter months, uh, most of those farmers feel they need to do something to loosen the soil. And so tillage is, is that answer for them. And so if we allowed farmers to work with their local universities to develop uh, localized or state-based conservation programs that fit them specifically rather than a one-size-fits-all national approach, I think we would see uh, more adoption as well. So then what are the first steps that need to be taken, Greg? Well, first of all, we need to work with our local universities to figure out, you know, what are the benefits from the practices that are in place in the state and what additional conservation benefits might accrue if uh, farmers and ranchers did more or did additional, took additional steps. And so that would be, we, we need to set the baseline for measurement to start out with. So is the University of Nebraska-Lincoln looking at this to kind of help set the parameters and get this program started for, for Nebraska producers? Yes, that's one of the things the university is looking very closely at is you know, how do we work to deal within climate of not only wanting to look at conservation programs, but look at carb programs that uh, sequester carbon or maybe address what is perceived to be climate? That's my conversation with Greg Ibot. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Reading.com. With the business report for Monday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are edging higher in afternoon trading on Wall Street as investors look ahead to a wave of earnings reports from big U.S. companies coming out this week. Major banks get things started on Tuesday as J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs put out their results for the three months ended in June. Bank stocks were broadly higher while industrial and consumer goods companies fell. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has confirmed that all remaining lockdown restrictions in England will be lifted in a week despite a sharp rise in coronavirus cases. Johnson urged people to proceed with caution 
stressing that the pandemic is far from over and people cannot expect life to instantly revert to how it was pre-pandemic. Nordstrom says it's acquiring a minority interest in four fashion brands owned by a British company called ASOS as the department store aims to reach out to younger customers. The brands, Topshop, Topman, Miss Selfridge, and Hit, were purchased by ASOS in February after their previous owner and British fashion empire Arcadia Group filed for bankruptcy in late 2020. The financial terms weren't disclosed. Warren Buffett's company is abandoning its purchase of a natural gas pipeline from Dominion Energy because of uncertainty about whether the deal could get regulatory approval. Berkshire Hathaway Incorporated will receive a $1.3 billion refund on the proposed purchase of Questar Pipelines that was also supposed to include $430 million of Dominion's debt when it was announced a year ago. Tesla CEO Elon Musk took the witness stand today to defend his company's 2016 acquisition of a troubled company called Solar City against a shareholder lawsuit. The claims Musk was to blame for a deal that was rife with conflicts of interest and failed to produce the profits he had promised. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Rebuilding and preparing to host a massive rodeo. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Huge tents were crumbled and outdoor horse stalls were crushed as a powerful storm passed through eastern Nebraska early on Saturday morning. The damage caused at the Lancaster Event Center Fairgrounds came as officials raced to put the finishing touches on the facility ahead of the 2021 National High School Finals Rodeo. Kendra Ronow is president of the Lancaster County Agricultural Society, which owns and operates the facility. Lancaster Event Center was hit with what the the insurance companies and our emergency management people are calling a microburst. They think we had over 100 mile an hour winds, which of course wreaked havoc on on a lot of the the setup that we have. We lost a good portion of our outside stalls and. Um, uh, tent areas that we were getting set up. So it, there was a lot of devastation early, early Saturday morning. It, um, yeah, it was, it was hard to see. So um, we, of course, have the rodeo kids start to move in on Thursday at noon. So it left us scrambling. But uh, at LEC and in Lincoln and Lancaster and, of course, the whole state of Nebraska, we pulled together and we're working to to, to get, get it cleaned up. So folks came together to help uh, clean up and uh, start to repair. But uh, later this week, the contestants will move in for what is, uh, by a contestant standpoint, the world's largest rodeo. And it looks like uh, the rodeo is still going to be able to happen. Uh, folks coming in might not even notice that uh, we had these storms roll through. Is that right, Kendra? That's exactly right. I'd like to add that we had some incredible volunteers show up Saturday morning. We had people walking in. Um, from Lincoln, we had people coming from Hastings, Ogallala. Um, as the word got out, as social media pictures uh, got out, and they saw how bad the devastation was, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of folks come. It's really important for folks to know this rodeo is happening. It's it's going on. It uh, it will start Thursday. It'll run the 18th, July 18th through the 24th. Um, we we are on top of it. We were we were right on track with the last Saturday and Sunday and volunteers and LEC staff. We made a huge dent in it. We're not quite where we need to be yet, so we're still asking anybody that's got some extra time to throw in your your hard sold shoes and the pair of leather gloves um, and head our way. Well, Kendra, as bad as this was, it's also important to mention that uh, nobody was hurt during this. No animals were in those stalls and and no humans were uh, were injured during this process. And maybe, uh, too, if you want to talk about the emergency preparedness, uh, folks have been working on this for for several years now in Lincoln and Lancaster County. uh, Emergency management officials are prepared for when we do have animals and humans out at the event center. You are absolutely right. That was the when I got the call early, early Saturday morning that we had damage. That was the first thing that ran through my head. I I thanked God that we didn't have anybody that we had absolutely no no casualties. Um, and so that's the most important. It's also important to know we've worked with. It's the Nebraska Emergency Management Group that puts courses of action into place. 
in all my years at the Lancaster Event Center since the beginning when it happened 21 years ago, I've never seen anything like this. I can't promise that it would never happen again, but I really think it was a, hopefully a one and done. But we do have a plan in place to keep humans and livestock safe. That again, Kendra Ronow, the president of the Lancaster County Agricultural Society, which manages the Lancaster Event Center Fairgrounds. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Before investing. Play panel and the market update are on, on the Rural Radio Network. Rather, let's check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing of Chicago, and publisher of the Daily Newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, what a positive market update we get to bring because grains close strongly back across the green. Looks like, though, the still the best data coming out in that wheat trade as Minneapolis spring wheat leads the way higher. Yeah, that was a takeaway from the report. Um, you know, everybody will focus on the, the lack of change in corn and beans. You can debate that. I think it's a little early to change it one way or the other. So I've kind of fallen in alignment with agreement on the corn and bean side demand. Uh, you know, increase for corn, soybeans non-existent. So at this point in time, you kind of focus over on the wheat side. And uh, you have two major crop stories. One, you have very, very good production for winter wheat. And I don't think it's important to not be lost in this. We had... Darn near record production in the Kansas City from a yields perspective, and then some total wheat acres combined with the production numbers we got out east. I mean, we increased almost 150 million bushels, or 15% or so. At the end of the story, the loss of the spring wheat market that we're going to have here, I would bet it's 50% of, of what's grown up there. You're going to see a net reduction of 25% year over year. So, bottom line is you're seeing good production years on somewhat increased acreage out east, at least. And you're still going to have reduction in, in stocks because of the spring wheat problem. So, you know, we need to get acreage in the ground for next year. I look at the deferred KC contracts as very cheap at this point, uh, especially given that we're feeding wheat as a replacement to corn out east, or I'm sorry, down south. So short term, you know, we, we have the corn supplies to do that. But over the long run, given the exports that we'll see go up because Brazil doesn't have it, and, uh, and the overall demand from the feed side, I, I think that, I'm not saying corn has scored a low here, but I think the low fives is going to find some good buyers, especially on the end user side. And when we look globally as well, USDA following Conab's lead going down to just 93 million metric tons on Brazilian production. A lot of analysts still, though, closer to 89, even lower than that when it comes to Brazilian production. Did USDA, do they continue revising that down, or does that 93 stay? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 we're at 87, so I think, you know, eventually we'll be there. Uh, and from my experience, USDA tends to report the news when people aren't focused on it anymore. You know, the, that'll come out in a report down the road, sometimes masked by better news. I think in the short run here, the weather market that we've been in the last couple of weeks, there's no change there. You know, the story up north is what it is. The story down where, where you all are, I heard you got some wind over the weekend. We'll see if any developments come out of that. But, Crop progress report, report tonight should be pretty good. I imagine it'll be good next week as well for most of the I states. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading future and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. And that'll do it for our midday program for today. If you'd like to hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to krvn.com. Just click on the podcast.